Welcome to the BreastCancer.org podcast, the award-winning podcast that brings you the latest information on breast cancer research, treatments, side effects, and survivorship issues through expert interviews, as well as personal stories from people affected by breast cancer. Here's your host, BreastCancer.org Senior Editor, Jamie DiPolo. Hello, thanks for listening. Dr. Shirag Shah is a radiation oncologist and director of breast radiation and clinical research in the Department of Radiation Oncology at the Cleveland Clinic. Dr. Shah serves as a reviewer for various medical journals and is a member of various medical societies. His primary research interests are breast cancer, sarcoma, and innovative radiation treatment schedules, as well as lymphedema. He has participated in numerous clinical trials. Today, he joins us to talk about hypofractionated or accelerated radiation schedules, what they are, how they've become the standard of care, and why they may be even more important during this time of COVID-19. Dr. Shah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So first of all, could you explain the difference between what is called hypofractionated or accelerated radiation schedules and the older, a bit more longer radiation schedules? And also, if you could tell us how and why these shorter schedules were created. Of course. So when we first started doing breast conserving therapy um, more than two decades ago, we predominantly used what's called standard fractionation. Standard fractionation is typically when we give radiation in 1.8 to 2 units of radiation a day to a total of 45 to 50 units of radiation. Hypofractionation is an evolving area. The most well-studied techniques use, instead of 25 treatments or so, use 15 to 16 treatments and increase the dose per treatment to 2.67 units. The hypofractionation is a technical word to basically say higher doses of radiation therapy. These techniques were born out of clinical trials outside of the United States that looked to shorten the duration of radiation therapy um, in both the United Kingdom as well as Canada. And more recently, hypofractionation has gone one step further to look at the delivery of radiation therapy in five treatments. So basically, a person would be getting the same amount of radiation. It's just you're getting more radiation at each treatment, so the total time is shorter. Correct. Biologically, we're giving roughly the same amount of radiation. Um, The total doses in hypofractionation tend to be lower than standard, but because we're giving higher doses per treatment in quicker time, it's biologically equivalent. Okay. And part of the reason, at least my understanding, is that these were created were because the traditional schedules, which were five to seven weeks going into a treatment center every day, that could be tough for some people, especially if they lived quite a distance from the treatment center. That's absolutely correct. So, you know, we have data showing that anywhere from 20 to 40% of patients did not get or complete their radiation due to the long courses of radiation and those from that lived some distances away from centers, it was very burdensome. So hypofractionation definitely um, was driven by that as well. Okay. Now, are there any other benefits to this shorter schedule besides, you know, making it easier for someone to plan? You know, interestingly, there has been some data to suggest that hypofractionation may have slightly better control, but that hasn't been borne out in randomized trials. Additionally, some data has suggested less side effects, but the majority of data has shown equivalent side effect profiles to standard treatment. 
Okay. So it's really it's really a convenience thing. That would be the largest benefit? Yeah, I'd say that absolutely. The largest benefit is decreasing the amount of time patients have to come in. Okay. Now, are there any risks? Are there any concerns with somebody having a hypofractionated schedule? I would say in 2020, using modern dose constraints, we really are quite comfortable and there's no potentially additional risks um, per se with standard hypofractionation in 2020. Okay. Um, I know that the American Society of Clinical Oncology and the National Comprehensive Cancer Network both say that a hypofractionated schedule should be the standard of care for breast cancer for someone who's getting radiation to treat breast cancer. Is your sense that this is happening everywhere? Are most people being prescribed a, a hypofractionated schedule? Or are some folks still better candidates for a longer schedule? I, I guess that's a long way of asking. Would there be any reason why someone wouldn't get the shorter schedule? Um, so there are still some patients, even for current guidelines, where we consider standard treatment. So, for example, patients who have active connective tissue disorders like lupus um, may require standard treatment over hypofractionation. Additionally, the use of hypofractionation in patients who need lymph node radiation is still under study, so not all of those patients are candidates for hypofractionation. However, among those patients that are candidates for hypofractionation, published data does suggest that there are still a large number that aren't being given hypofractionation, so there is some room for improvement there based on current recommendations. Okay, and do we know why um, patients who may be good candidates are not getting a hypofractionated schedule? You know, it's a great question. Unfortunately, the data hasn't really shown us the reason why they're not getting hypofractionation, but there certainly has been a big push um, in our specialty to really adopt hypofractionation for appropriate patients. Okay, because it doesn't require any different equipment or anything like that, does it? No. The hypofractionation be given with standard radiation therapy equipment. Okay. Okay. And if I could back up just a little bit, you mentioned that people with connective tissue disease may not be good candidates for a hypofractionated schedule. Could you explain a little bit why? Sure. Um, so patients who have connective tissue disorders like lupus with skin manifestations um, may be at higher risks of skin side effects. And so there is not a lot of data on using hypofractionation in this population. And so we tend to be conservative if we don't have a large amount of data. Um, that being said, in my own practice, um, I do discuss the pros and cons of both standard and hypofractionation with these patients. Okay. So the idea is they may get more severe skin side effects if they have a, a skin a connective tissue disorder? That's correct. Yep. Okay. Okay. Now I'm curious with the pandemic and treatment, you know, people being told don't go in for treatment unless you absolutely have to, some treatments being delayed. Have you seen that leading to more doctors preferring a hypofractionated schedule? Yeah, I would say, you know, first of all, we always counsel patients on the pros and cons of radiation, even before the pandemic. And now with the pandemic, we have that focus. We also, you know, let patients know about the safety precautions at radiation centers to ensure their health and well-being. Um, in terms of hypofractionation, I would say that during the pandemic, we've seen some, some large trials published also that allow for even further hypofractionation. So I had previously mentioned 15 or 16 treatments, but now we've had some really seminal uh, studies published looking at five treatments. So during a pandemic, I have discussed the use of five treatment, both whole breast and partial breast radiation with patients. Oh, wow. So that would be significantly shorter. That's just basically a week. So the regimens depend on the technique. So for partial breast, 
it's five treatments given in one week. Um, for the whole breast, it can be five treatments given once a week, um, which has 10 years worth of follow-up, or in some cases, five treatments of whole breast given in one week, which has only five years of follow-up. Oh, I see. Okay. And, and overall, you know, you talk about the follow-up. What the researchers are looking at with the follow-up is, of course, recurrence. You know, does the breast cancer come back? But they're also looking at sort of the cosmetic outcomes and the side effects too, correct? That's absolutely correct. You know, one of the big concerns with hypofractionation initially was the potential for side effects both in the short and long term and impaired cosmetic outcomes. And what we've seen at 10 years with multiple of these regimens that is that there was no difference in chronic toxicities and just as importantly, no difference in cosmetic outcomes. So, um, yep, that's why we want to follow patients long term is to look at cancer outcomes as well as side effect profiles. Okay. So it sounds like if someone's a good candidate, for a hypofractionated schedule, the the cosmetic outcome, the side effects, and the long-term recurrence rates are really the same for the more traditional schedule versus the shorter schedule. Correct. I mean, hypofractionation for appropriate patients really kind of ticks all the boxes currently. Okay. Now, if someone's radiation oncologist doesn't recommend a hypofractionated schedule, and the person, you know, doesn't have connective tissue disease, isn't getting radiation to the lymph nodes. And so on the surface looks like to be a good candidate. Um, what would be your advice? Can a, can a patient really advocate for a, a shorter schedule for him or herself? So first of all, absolutely. A patient should always, you know, advocate for themselves. And I think the first step is to ask um, their radiation oncologist or their clinician why they're not felt to be a candidate for hypofractionation, and maybe there's something that was, you know, that they didn't see that may have been a reason. Um, but if that's not really the case, then I think they should absolutely advocate for themselves and if needed, even seek, you know, additional opinions about whether they really are a candidate for hypofractionated breast radiation. So they could, a person could get a second opinion, say, if they're, if maybe their radiation oncologist was, wasn't comfortable with it, or perhaps maybe hadn't read all the latest research. So a person could go get a second opinion. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, wonderful. Dr. Shaw, thank you so much. I really appreciate your insights on this. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the breastcancer.org podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. To share your thoughts about this or any episode, email us at podcast at breastcancer.org or leave feedback on the podcast episode landing page on our website. And remember, you can find a lot more information about breast cancer at breastcancer.org. And you can connect with thousands of people affected by breast cancer by joining our online community.